Welcome to another inspiring message from David Hall, pastor of LifePoint Church, Adelaide, Australia. It's our sincere prayer that you would experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit as you listen to this message. For more information, please visit davidhall.com.au. Just feel like God's doing a new thing in our church. I feel like there's a fresh anointing coming on this place from heaven. I just, I just feel like there's been a shift in the spirit and there's a momentum. And I, I don't like using cliches at all, but I just feel like the things we've been praying for for years and believing for, the, the wind of God's just blowing in the house and God's doing something supernatural. And Oh, God in heaven. Jesus, we love you so much. We love you with all of our heart. You're everything to us. We worship, we praise, we adore. In Jesus' name, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Musicians, thank you so much. Uh, I'm so excited about preaching and teaching tonight. I really do believe that God is going to speak to us tonight and, and has a word for us. And I want to, I want to, I guess, I guess preaching and teaching are different things. Preaching, you really get to proclaim truth with passion and fire. And, and when you teach it, you go on line upon line. And I, I do have to go line upon line a little bit tonight more than I normally would. But I really do believe God wants to speak to us and empower us and help us grow in the gifts of God that are on our life. And if you have a Bible, turn with me, please, to the book of First Corinthians. And I'll, I'll stop and start a little bit uh, as, we, as we go, but uh, I want you to keep that as your text. And I, I really want you to know this passage. It's very, it's very important as we teach the Word. The Scripture will be on the screen. If, you, if you've got an iPhone, maybe you don't have a Bible app, you can always look up uh, BibleGateway.com, New King James, First Corinthians chapter 12. I really do believe that God is going to speak to the hearts and the lives of people tonight. And I want you to open your heart. And, and maybe you think you know things, but there's always more. As I studied this, God began to speak to my heart. And I want to have a look at this in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 and verse 1. And this is Paul, of course, writing to a church that was alive with the gifts. This thing was wild. He says this. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, somebody say gifts. He says, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now that word ignorant, means to think you know but don't know is one idea of what he's saying. Don't, don't be people who think we know everything but we don't know. And you know the truth is that can happen in as much in Pentecostal and charismatic circles as any, any other circle. Uh, we, we can think we've got it all down. There's so much of the richness of God's Spirit that He wants to speak into our lives. So I want to encourage you to be open-hearted, to learn tonight, have a teachable spirit. Because let me say this, if you want to walk in the gifts of the Spirit, one of the most important things that you need to have the ability to be is teachable when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. Arrogance and the gifts of the Spirit, are, it's a very dangerous combination. And, and so let's be, let's be willing to learn and have an open heart. But also ignorant can mean to not know through lack of information, to simply just ignore it. There are there are pockets of Christianity that just ignore these passages because they don't know what to do with them. And uh, I love the, I love the, the ones that we uh, maybe tend to ignore. I like to get into them because there's always some, there's always some good stuff. Uh, there's great stuff in every uh, passage of Scripture. But here he says, don't be ignorant. Don't be willfully ignorant. 
And also it means simply just not understanding. He says, when it comes to gifts of the Spirit, we need to understand, we need to know, we need to have information to grow from. We can't ignore and we can't willfully ignore the gifts of the Spirit. He says, concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. In verse 2, he says, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. Now that's not dumb. He's not insulting and going, oh, they're dumb. He's basically, he's using the truest expression, that word, unable to speak. Uh, these dumb idols, these voiceless idols, however, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now I want to break this verse down for a minute. I make known to you that no one... Speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. In other words, if you're speaking by the Spirit, you're not going to say something that's at odds with the truth of the Word of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So any of the gifts of the Spirit, if they are crossing grain with Scripture, they're, they're a gift of the Spirit, but it's not the Spirit of God. And, and so let me, let me say this. If the Bible is not the foundation of, of the moving of the Spirit, and, and, the, and the moving of the Spirit does not cause a love for the Bible, you, you can walk into a space where something other than the Spirit of God is moving. And where, where the Word is not preached with strength, the revival will always get weird. If the Word of God is not still the highest authority, it'll get off center and it'll get weird. And, and then suddenly we're celebrating supernatural things that are not in the Bible. It happens. I mean, I could, I could call those things out. I'm not going to, but it can happen. Now, it also says in verse 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. So what's happening here? Paul's trying to establish here the importance of the Word, the importance of Christ, the centrality of Christ, but the importance and significance, the deity, if you will, uh, the word deity, simply if something's deity, it's God. Uh, the fact that the Holy Spirit is God is saying you cannot get saved, but by the Holy Spirit. In other words, don't write off the moving of the Spirit of God because it's the Spirit of God that actually was part of you getting saved. Are you following what I'm saying? And so, so Paul's setting this up. This is a big deal to the apostle Paul. He goes on to say, verse four, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now, I want you to look at this word gifts. Gifts, plural. Don't be confused or, 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 or make sure you distinguish gifts and the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit. On, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out and the Bible says they received power from on high. The, the body of Christ was empowered with a gift from the Holy Spirit. That's the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Oh, shakama. That, that's a, that is a gift from heaven that everyone who is saved can walk in the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And you've got a prayer language, you can speak in tongues. Now, you've got to understand that the gifts plural and gifts singular, there's a differentiation. They're, they're cousins, they're in the same lane, it's the same thing, it's the same flow. But you've got to understand that one unlocks the other. The gift of the Spirit unlocks the gifts of the Spirit. Are, are, you, are you with me? Now, let me show you Acts 2.33. It says, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, He poured out which you now see and hear. In other words, the promise of the Father. We see people speaking in tongues and other languages. We hear it. We see Him glorifying God. What they saw and heard was the promise of the Father. It goes on, same scripture, just a later verse, verse 38. Peter said, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want that gift. So we're not preaching a message tonight on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But we've got to understand that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the gateway to the gifts of the Spirit. 
are you with me? Do you believe that? That's our Pentecostal theology right there. And, and so if, if I was going to do a part one to this message, this is the message. But if I was going to do a prequel, uh, I'd preach on the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking other tongues. And so because that lays the foundation for this. But as a church, we've journeyed together. And I think it's a fairly well-established fact that we believe in that here and, and we preach it. We're not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. We speak in tongues. We love the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, we're Pentecostals in the name of Jesus. And, uh, and or charismatics, however you want to flow, but we're glad and just come in and be hungry for the things of the Spirit. Gifts are the supernatural abilities imparted by the Holy Spirit for special ministry. The gift is the impartation of the Spirit as ministered by the ascended Christ. Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are given by the Spirit. So Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit brings the gifts and makes them alive on the inside of our life. If you believe it, can you say amen? And he also says diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Same spirit. In other words, there's different gifts. They're all the Holy Spirit. So if it's the same spirit, if it's the same person of the Holy Spirit behind the gifts, the gifts should flow together. They shouldn't be at odds with each other. So your gift shouldn't trump that gift. Or your gift shouldn't contradict that gift and contradict that gift. Or this prophecy shouldn't be at odds with that utterance. Or this. Are you following what I'm saying? If there isn't a harmony, you've got to start asking the question, what's out of kilter here? Yeah. Yeah. And because it's one spirit. So the anointing of God, although we function differently, there should be a consistency of the rhythm of heaven throughout what God's doing in a meeting. Have you ever been in a meeting and God's moving, but something's just a bit off? Well, they're just either in the flesh. I don't always think people are in the, another spirit. I just think they're not always in the spirit. Sometimes they just get a little wild. And, uh, but can I say this? On one hand, I don't, I, don't want to be the, the, I don't want to be the ministry of wet blanket or ministry of fire hose where we just put out every fire. Sometimes people get a little bit strange while they're exploring the things of God. I don't want to give permission for strangeness, but I can tell you something. I'd rather an atmosphere where sometimes it gets a little bit wild than no power at all. Are you following what I'm saying? I'd rather some wildfire than no fire because you can still manage a bit of fire. But, but sometimes things get a little bit crazy and so we've got to pull things into line. That's why we teach like this so we can give parameters, uh, uh, biblical parameters, I will say, not our parameters, uh, to what God actually wants us to walk in and function in, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. It goes on. Verse 5, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. So there's different types of of gifts of the Spirit. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. Listen to this verse 7, powerful scripture. One of my favorites. Every scripture is my favorite that I read, but this one is right this second because I'm reading it. It says, but the manifestation, somebody say the manifestation. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So when the Spirit of God and the gifts of God are active in the life of a church and the life of a believer, it should be, it actually profits the church for people to move in their gifting. For you to walk in the anointing that God has for you. Do you realize God wants to use you? Do you realize he wants to give you the gifts of the Spirit? And you know something? Here's the thing. It's not about you and it's not about me, but it's still cool to be used. It's still the greatest privilege in the world. It's exhilarating to be used by God. But the thing is, if you just remember that you're, you know, your indicator or in your car, there's so many little mirrors in there. So that little lamp can illuminate to a point where even on a bright summer's day, you can see the light reflecting off all those different mirrors within the thing. Sometimes we've got to remember, we're not that little light bulb. We're just the reflectors and we reflect what God's doing. And so sometimes if we start walking around getting a bit excited about how bright we are, just remember, we're not the light. We're simply reflecting. 
reflectors of the glory of God. And that's the gifts of the Holy Spirit are simply you reflecting God and impacting the world for the glory of His name. I want to be a reflector. Anyway, if you were a young person in the 90s, you know exactly what that means. I want to show me your glory. I want to let the whole world know that Jesus Anyway, see, now the anointing's falling. You bring shakers into this mix. I'm telling you right now, better plan a shaker. It's actually to Life Point Church's advantage that you know the gifts of the Spirit on your life. And I want to tell you right now tonight, my goal is that we actually draw... Today's a new day. We're going to believe God for the gifts to get active in this church more than they ever have before. Let me go on. Verse 8, it says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To the other, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To the other, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirit. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing each other individually as He wills. There's nine gifts and three categories that I want to have a look at tonight. And Maya Perlman, I'm going to quote some guys, you might not know their names, but you've got to understand everyone I'm quoting are Pentecostal champions and writers that I admire and I've studied for my whole ministry really, some recently, some in days gone by, but Maya Perlman, and for those Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about, but if you go to our website or the ACC website, you, you can read the different things we believe. Maya Perlman really is the one that wrote the basic doctrine of the Assemblies of God sort of nearly 100 years ago. And Maya Perlman in his book, he's got a book, What We Believe or Pentecostal Doctrines and, 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 and our doctrine of the Bible. It's a, you can get it through Gospel Publishing House. I recommend every Christian gets that book. I posted it on my Insta Snap if you want to have a look there. Whatever. (laughs) Maya Perlman, he classifies the gifts this way. As far as the gifts of the Spirit, there are are gifts. Those that impart power to speak supernaturally. Those that impart power to act supernaturally. And those that impart power to know supernaturally. Rodney Howard Brown says the same thing concerning the gifts and the three categories, the, the gifts of utterance, which are gifts that say something, gifts of power that are gifts that do something, and gifts of revelation that reveal something. And so tonight I want to have a look at these three categories. We're going to hit the nine gifts of the Spirit and we're going to go as quick as we can and we're going to pray that God will stir those gifts on the inside of people's heart. Let's have a look at the gifts of utterance for just a moment. These are the gifts that say something. Somebody say they say something. So the first of the three, the first would be the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is a spiritual, a supernatural utterance in a known language. So if I prophesy, it's in English. Now, I'm not saying you can't prophesy in tongues, but we're going to get to that at another time. There's a slightly different categorization and classification for that. And so I want to just keep simple. Now, there is so much I'm not going to say because you cannot exhaustively preach even one of these in totality in one message. Impossible. All I'm doing is giving you basically Dave Hall Wikipedia. This is Wiki Dave just sharing a little wiki sermon. First thing you need to know about prophecy, it comes by the Spirit. 
The word prophesy means to flow forth, to bubble forth, to tumble forth, to spring forth. It's something that comes out of your spirit. You know, I've given words of prophecy to people. Uh, given words of prophecy in a service and, and there's been times people come and, and, and want to give a word. Last Sunday, Pastor Keith felt like he had a word. I didn't stop there and say, hey, I want to hear the word because I've noticed there are times when I prophesy, this is in my experience, uh, that when I prophesy, it's not even that I know what I have to say. I just know something's bubbling and I've got to, I've got to release it. And, and sometimes when you audition it, uh, it doesn't work as well the second time because you're simply repeating what was a bubbling utterance uh, in the name of Jesus. Now, that, but, but Here's, here's the thing, uh, the prophetic can flow out of you and, and the prophetic is powerful. And, and what prophecy will do, it'll exhort, which really means to edify, it means to encourage and, and to comfort. I'm not a big fan of prophecies that pull down and tell you, God spoke to me, you're coming into doom and gloom and, and all of those things. I don't believe that's the nature of prophecy and those kinds of prophecies are not how we flow at LifePoint Church. Uh, we, we prophesy life into people's spirit and hope into people's heart by the grace of God. Now you've got to understand a couple of things. Prophecy, here's things you might not know. Prophecy is conditional. If I said to Josh Bates, Josh, the word of the Lord is, and this may even be the word of the Lord, but the word of the Lord is, you're going to have a huge impact for the glory of God. God's called you. You're going to touch nations, blah, 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 blah. That's a word, and that can be full stop, the will of God for his life. But if he chooses to run from that and do his own thing, don't blame the prophet. Blame Josh. It's all Josh's fault. Just look at Josh. Blame him. No, I just picked Josh randomly. But but here's the thing. Prophecy is conditional. Often prophecy should have a disclaimer if you follow the leading of the Lord. But here's the thing, prophecy, we can run from God's will. It doesn't mean the prophecy's not right. It means we've run from the call that God's put out. The Bible says in Isaiah 119, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. There is still something to do with our obedience in connection with the prophetic word that comes from God in our heart and our life. Maya Perlman says prophecy is the result of spontaneous spiritual inspiration. It is not intended to supplant preaching or teaching, but to supplement it with inspirational touch. If you read the book of Acts, you'll see, and I, I am just scratching the surface, but Acts 15 32 tells us Judas, not bad Judas, good Judas, uh, Judas and Silas themselves being prophets also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words, exhorted comfort, encouragement, prayer. There is something they said, God speaking in my heart and this is what the word of the Lord is. And I lifted people's spirits. You know, I've been in church when somebody's come up and given a prophecy that shifts an atmosphere that brings faith into an atmosphere, that prophetic word from heaven, that utterance that comes out of the wells of people. Let me tell you, if you, if you feel you've got a prophetic anointing, and you don't know what to do, read this. So, so what you're prophesying is in line with God's word. And let me, let me say more about this. Philip had four daughters who were virgins. Now, now it's, it's not a... Virginity or non-virginity is not a factor when it comes to prophetic ministry. Uh, I, by the way, <laughs> I'm getting in a ditch that I did not plan to get in. <laughs> This is what I'm trying to say. By virgins in this passage, they're saying they actually decided never to get into a relationship, but rather were prophetic evangelists and lived celibate lives. Now, I'm not saying you need to live a celibate life to be prophetic, but what I am saying is he had four daughters who, who withdrew themselves from wanting to have children. And, and, and that's a big thing in those days, a bigger thing in those days than now. And they gave themselves to bringing the prophetic word of God. And they prophesied things to come and, and they declared the word of the Lord with great power. Philip had a prophetic anointing, but they were prophetic evangelists. Can I say the prophetic softens people's hearts for salvation? 
Because there's a supernatural insight that can touch someone's spirit in a way that maybe our natural cognitive thoughts, even biblical thoughts, may not be able to penetrate some of those harder to hit places in people's hearts. But here's the thing. I don't live for a prophetic word. I live for this word. I know some people, they, they want a word. Give me a word. Give me, I've got to have a word. I've, I've got to, I mean, you get a prophet in town. If we had a prophet here tonight, we'd have 500 people. Everyone would be out for the prophet. And I'm, I'm all for it. I bring the prophetic in. The Bible says despise not prophecies. But ultimately, we still can hear from God ourselves. And so I don't want to live dependent on the prophetic. I don't want to reject the prophetic. I just want to welcome that as a part of what God wants to do. But here's the thing. Rodney Howard Brown tells a story of a man so desperate for a word that he got in touch with a famous prophet, a friend of his, rings a prophet in the middle of the night, gets his phone number, and he says, I need a word. I'm got to have a word in the prophet says I have a word go back to bed (laughs) let me say this about prophecy prophecy should never guide you now let me clarify I mean the prophetic can guide a church if it's a trusted voice but a prophetic word should never come in such a way where uh, it decides your destiny it should confirm what's already in your heart so if I walk up to some random person and say, God's leading you to go to China, you sell up all your stuff not wanting to go to China. You've never cared about China. You don't believe in China. You don't even, you, I mean, not, not in general. I mean, you believe in it. It's a real country. You can't not believe in China. Like, but you don't want to move to China. I know, I know of a family that hurt, got, someone gave a prophetic word, God's calling you to Africa, went to Africa, sold their house, lost everything. The kids walked away from God. The husband and wife split up. They never bore fruit because God never called them to Africa. What do you do when you get a word like that? I've got a big shelf in my spirit. Well, I just shelve things that don't resonate. I don't despise them. I just shelve them. And sometimes later on, God gives a word and on a minute, going to my shelf. Oh, China. I'm going to China. But prophecy can become very manipulative. True prophecy will confirm that which is already in your heart because it's encouragement. It stirs you up, builds you up. Incidentally, Dan, I just feel like North Korea. I just feel like you and Dennis Rodman are going to work together. No, I'm just teasing. It's actually South Korea, but whatever. So that's one of the gifts, gifts that say something, prophecy. I wish I had more time to talk about prophecy. I love the prophetic. I love those prophetic words. It'll just change your life. Somebody comes in, it's like water to your soul. Someone comes alongside and says, hey, I just feel God speaking to me. It might be as simple as, I feel like the Lord's telling me, hey, he sees everything you're doing. You've been faithful. He loves you. Keep going. Sometimes it's enough. It's like a real prophetic word will be like water in a desert. Lord, raise up voices with prophetic insight in this church. In the name of Jesus. Now, the, the second gift that says something is different kinds of tongues. Somebody say different kinds of tongues okay or, or not don't say it I didn't want you to say it anyway somebody say different kinds of tongues okay you've got to understand this that different kinds of tongues to the best that that can be translated I want you to get this different kinds of tongues means different kinds or other kinds of other tongues are you following what I'm saying? Yes. So when I said before, there's gift and gifts. The gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, the prayer and praise language, a supernatural language that we pray and touch God but that we use in our everyday life. He is talking about that's other tongues. He's now saying there's a gift of different kinds. Yes. 
about the tongues. Are you following what I'm saying? So, so, so if, you, if you try to reduce the baptism in the Spirit down to, uh, down, down to one of the nine gifts, you're actually misunderstanding the gifts of the Spirit. This is a totally different gifting, though it's a similar category, it's a similar space, and, and, uh, and, and maybe you're basically still doing the same thing, but it's a different grace and a different aspect of the infilling of the Spirit. I'll show you how uh, that works because there's different kinds of tongues. Like there, there's ecstatic praise addressed to God alone where we pray in the Spirit and, and God hears. And, and Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians uh, 14 verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Now, there's tongues that are a definite message for the church. He said, Paul says, I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless he interprets that the church may receive edification. Now, this kind of tongues, different kinds of other tongues, really is the same as prophecy. It's just in an unknown tongue. An unknown tongue to the speaker, but maybe not to the hearer. I've heard examples of somebody praying in an unknown tongue. I know a Baptist pastor in this city of a significant church. I preach in the church one night and I'm praying for this guy and I was told to behave myself and this guy's nearly falling out under the power so I'm trying to hold him up because uh, I didn't want to get in trouble with the Baptist community. So, so, so he's half fallen out and I'm, I'm trying to keep him up. So I w- walked up to the pastor who came to the service to keep an eye on things and said, Pastor, uh, really sorry about that. It wasn't on purpose. I, try, I was trying to hold back the anointing. Uh, no, I didn't say that. But, but he, said, he says, oh, don't worry about it. He said, you know, I don't speak in tongues like you. But one day I was in Bangladesh and my interpreter didn't come. And so I just started speaking a language I never spoke before. And I preached my whole message in the native language of Bangladesh. I was like, what a... What a terrible Baptist you are. Isn't that amazing? That's a, that's a legit sign of wonder right there. But there's times in worship that maybe the music comes down and you're praying in the spirit and you kind of lose it a little bit. And I'm not talking about being weird or anything like that. And But as you realize you're praying in tongues, hey, this is not... This is not, I'm not stirring myself up here. Something, I've got to release something into the atmosphere. And so there's a... And you just let it all hang out there. And, and then what happens is, the third thing is the interpretation of tongues. Now, you've got to hope for an interpretation, otherwise you might be judged by, by the tongues police. They might be all like, Oh, that wasn't going like that! Maybe the interpreter's fault. Maybe they're off their game. Your tongue's fine, but the interpreter is on a plain angry bird. <laughs> but I've seen it happen. Been in church, everything's quiet. And it sounds like a kettle's about to go off somewhere at the back. Someone's all shut up. But do you know what? And then somebody stands up. I feel like God's saying today. In the olden days, they used to get on the balls of their feet. You weren't prophesying unless you're on the balls of your feet. It wasn't, that's how you knew. Is this prophetic or not? Yep. You know something? We, we look back, some of us, and we laugh a little bit about that. But how good was it? 
How powerful was it when someone would get up under the anointing of God, their skin could barely keep them in. They're like, oh, I declare over this place God's blessing, God's favour, God's anointing. I remember one morning at Paradise Church, I grew up in that church. I love that church. I thank God for influences and the blessing it has been on my life. I remember Pastor Andrew's dad, Pastor Tommy, one morning gets up there. One morning, this woman's up the back. She gave the same tongue every week and the interpretation was different. I never understood that, but I loved it. And so she's given one in t- message in tongues. I could do the tongues, but I always feel convicted. So, but I can do them. I heard them every week. If you grew up in the church, <laughs> don't you? None of you guys that grew up and stop it. Stay in the spirit. And then I remember one day Pastor Tommy walks up and there was a, they had a prophecy mic, which when there's 2,000 people in the room, that's a risky thing to have. Any man and their dog could get up there and prophesy. But I can tell you that one day he, Pastor Tommy walks up about 97, he says, we need reconciliation. Brother to brother, there's enmity, but God wants to bring people together. And I remember, I would have been 13 or 14, the, a profound sense of God's anointing touched my life. Why? And, but what happened was then you'd get some nut jobs up there that would give some weird word. And so we all go, okay, no, no more of that. No more open mic at life point. But can, I, can I tell you, if you've got a prophetic gift on your life, Lord, in this place, give us the wisdom to mine that out of people so they can bring something into the atmosphere that changes lives and and Paul would say two at most three so we don't need 1500 prophecies but I can tell you when tongues and interpretation happens that's powerful and can I say that's one thing that I actually long to see in our church I mean that with all of my heart legit I don't want to set it up I don't want to just conveniently have one tonight (laughs) pull the strings someone's back you know But when it's real, Jason, I can't ignore the fact. I remember the times I've seen your dad walk up to the prophecy mic and heaven just falls. The worship could be hopeless that morning. And Malcolm Jowett gets up and prophesied. The rain starts to fall. Well done, Malcolm. Well done, Mal. Can Can I tell you, when you step into that prophetic anointing, some of, you, some of you, it's on your life. My dad, when he grew up, Pastor Andrew used to say to the staff, hey, you need to spend time in prayer and fasting and get a word. They spend all week just waiting to get a prophetic word from God. Bring it to the house. Boom, something happens. The gifts of the Spirit. Tongues. Some people read the book of Corinthians and basically try to tell you all the reasons you shouldn't speak in tongues in church. You've got it when you have a revelation of what's what when it comes to speaking in tongues. You understand that when we sing in the Spirit, we're not breaking the rules because it's not an utterance to bring forth a message, but it's edifying the house. When you see them in, in the book of Acts, they're speaking in tongues. No one said, oh, where's the interpretation? Now we're drunk and speaking in tongues. I've got so much to say, I've got to keep moving. But that's the interpreta- interpretation of tongues. Let me say this. Somebody said to me one day, why bother? Why bother? Why not just have prophecy? Why tongues and interpretation? Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4.22 that tongues are a sign for the unbeliever. So if you have a sign and then the prophetic interpretation of what's going on, you're ministering to unbelievers, you're building faith. It's like you get a double, you just get a double dose of prophetic anointing. I do believe people that are prophetic can step into interpretation very easily, by the way. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it was an encouragement to you. If you'd like to know more about David and Donna, please visit our website, davidhall.com.au.